You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live-fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. Google Groups shouldn't be sent for oversharing, hundreds of enterprises are learning. Wells Fargo works to repair from botched e-discovery. Energetic Bear may be back with some cunning fish bait. Pravda says Russians feel strange new respect in cyberspace. The copy kittens appear to be Persian cats. Another Ethereum ICO is pilfered, but contrary to expectations, the White Hat Group looks like a genuine group of white hats. And some notes from Vegas. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Tuesday, July 25th, 2017. We've been hearing a fair amount about inadvertently exposed data. In several cases of misconfigured Amazon Web Services S3 buckets, businesses and government organizations have seen some sensitive data made accessible to casual web surfers. And of course, this is a user issue. AWS users need to devote proper attention to their access control lists. And not only AWS users, but now Google Groups users as well. Security firm Redlock has announced that it's found hundreds of cases in which enterprises have left their information out for inspection. The problem seems to arise from users' casual choice to make their Google Groups public on the Internet. Again, this is a user issue, so if you're a devotee of sharing via Google Groups, make sure you're not oversharing. Wells Fargo, whose outside counsel released information on about 50,000 high-value customers in the course of an e-discovery snafu, is now receiving the attentions of FINRA, the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority. That outside counsel said they relied on a vendor to prepare the CDs on which the required documents were provided, which would make this, we suppose, a case of fourth-party risk. At any rate, Wells Fargo itself has petitioned the courts to order the return of the data, We take the security and privacy of our customers' information very seriously, Wells Fargo said in a public statement. Our goals are to ensure the data is not disseminated, that it is rapidly returned, and that we ensure the discovery process going forward in the cases is working as it should. Security company CyberInt reports that it's found a new campaign that appears to be prospecting energy utilities. They're not sure who's behind it, but they think they see signs that it may be Energetic Bear again. This campaign installs credential harvesting malware by an email attachment, specifically a Word document that purports to be an innocent resume, the kind of thing HR and recruiting offices open all the time. Neither the document nor the email that carries it has malware embedded in it. 
Instead, the document contains a template reference which, upon loading, connects via server message block to an attack server, after which it downloads a word template that does carry malicious payloads. The electrical utilities being prospected appear so far to be largely American, but the campaign is likely to have more widespread effects. Energetic Bear, like NotPetya, is thought to be the work of Russian intelligence services. Pravda offers some perhaps uncharacteristic candor about what's up. At last, they say, citing a poll of Russian attitudes, the foreigners have to respect us. A spokesman for President Putin tells the information outlet that Russia is a war elephant in cyberspace and now needs to begin making its hardware as good as its software. ClearSky and Trend Micro yesterday released the results of their research into copy kittens, which they characterize as a cyber espionage group operating from and on behalf of Iran. The copy kittens have been operating since 2013 at least. Their interests are consistent with nation-state strategic intelligence objectives, legislative bodies, foreign and defense ministries, the defense and aerospace industry, academic research institutions, and so on. The nations principally targeted include Israel, Saudi Arabia, Turkey, the United States, Jordan, and Germany. Some recent high-profile victims have been Germany's Bundestag and the Jerusalem Post. The group uses DNS for both command and control communications and data exfiltration. ClearSky and Trend Micro call Copy Kitten's latest campaign Wilted Tulip. If you're in the U.S., you're surely familiar with your FICO score, the number that credit agencies provide to give lenders a sense of your credit worthiness. Well, the folks at FICO are now aiming their ratings analytics at cybersecurity. Doug Clare is vice president of cybersecurity solutions at FICO. We got into it as a result of a conversation that FICO had with our breach insurer. Our insurer came out for the usual questions about our business, how it's going, what we do, what our practices are. You know, there was a rhetorical question that was asked, which was, wouldn't it be great if there were a FICO score for cyber insurance, right, uh, for cyber risk? We kind of scratched our heads and thought about that a little bit. And the more we thought about it, the more we came to realize that it was probably a tractable problem from an analytics perspective. There are behaviors and conditions that are measurable uh, that you can empirically correlate to uh, breach events. It is certainly a, a very interesting space, right, from an analytics perspective, but it, it is, uh, you know, much like a FICO score or other things that you can tackle with uh, with analytics and artificial intelligence and machine learning. It's a tractable problem, and it's one that, um, you know, I'm sure we're going to improve upon over time, but it's uh, it's one that, that analytics can be applied to effectively. Is this something that you apply from the outside, or does a business invite you to take a look at them? We're able to just look at it from the outside and, uh, and, and make a determination, and uh, we can obviously uh, offer that to the businesses if they're interested. There's really kind of three use cases for this, right? One is for enterprise self-assessment. So if you want to, if you're a, a CISO or a CEO or a board member and you want to understand what the risk level is for your organization and what some of the primary uh, factors of risk are, that's a use case we can support. We can also uh, support the ability for third parties to make that assessment. Now, in that case, we're very um, careful about what we share, right? We don't share a lot, but we, we can tell you uh, what the score is of a third-party organization. If they're a vendor of yours, part of your supply chain, 
Or if you're uh, if you're an insurance underwriter, right, and you're looking to uh, bind uh, breach insurance coverage for an organization, we're able through the score to convey uh, relative risk level uh, to you for that purpose. And so just like, again, going back to my consumer score, if I have a problem or something that I disagree with, can I come to you and say, hey, I don't think this is accurate and here's why? Yes, you can, right? And uh, we've recently done some work with a bunch of organizations. This was an initiative that was uh, initially spearheaded by some of the large banks who were kind of asking that very same question, right? We've worked to establish some principles around this uh, that uh, organizations who provide these ratings, FICO being one of them, uh, can adhere to that uh, will allow that kind of interaction to take place, right? The principles are geared around, you know, uh, best practices with respect to uh, transparency, confidentiality, uh, ability to uh, remediate, and uh, kind of quality of models and model governance that uh, that underpin these scores uh, so that, you know, I think a, a couple of very important things can happen. A, uh, people can have confidence that uh, the scores are empirical, that they're uh, not biased, and that there is recourse if there are disagreements or if there are errors, they can be uh, quickly corrected and, and the right information can be leveraged. That's Doug Clare from FICO. Criminals have hit another Ethereum initial coin offering. On Sunday, about $8.4 million in Veri tokens were stolen from the ICO. After last week's theft of $32 million in Ethereum cryptocurrency via a flaw in the wallet's contract, the White Hat Group said they intended to rescue and return Ether exposed to the same vulnerability. We were skeptical, but our skepticism was misplaced. Apparently, the White Hat Group is proving as good as its word. Motherboard reports the White Hat Group obtained control of about $208 million in Ethereum assets and will finish returning the funds Monday. Black Hat, DEFCON, and B-Sides are all this week in Las Vegas. We'll be offering some updates from the events. In the meantime, if you're there, do be careful. The environment is a little like a saloon from an old Western movie, so watch your virtual back, buckaroos. Profit from the presentations and your visits to the floor, but don't connect any USB drives or other media you find lying around. And be aware that one of the demonstrations at DEFCON will involve the hacking of a smart gun. This particular model, an Armatix IP1 automatic pistol, is supposed to be fireable only when the user is wearing an Armatix watch that functions effectively as an authentication token. But there are two catches. First, the researcher, who goes by the nom de hack Plore, has demonstrated that it's possible to block the pistol from being fired even if the authorized user is wearing the watch and holding the weapon. Signals can be interfered with. And second, Plor has shown that you can override the safety by putting a couple of dime store magnets alongside the barrel. They'll move the electromagnetic servos that were holding the weapon on safe, and the firing pin is free to use. Magnets. Freaking magnets. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. 
Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications, so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. And I'm pleased to be joined once again by Emily Wilson. She's the Director of Analysis at Terbium Labs. Um, Emily, uh, personal information gets sold a lot online in the dark web, which is uh, one of your areas of expertise. And you were sort of pondering what counts as personal information these days. Yeah, I think this is something plenty of people are talking about, not just me. I I think we're seeing kind of a a shift over time naturally as we move, I think, especially into, uh, you know, questions about things like biometric tokenization, right? You know, thank you, Apple, for being able to read my fingerprint. Mm. Um, I was thinking about this as a result of some of the recent point of sale breaches from some different retailers or, you know, food service locations. Uh, Arby's and Chipotle come to mind. You know, they have these point of sale breaches, you know, information is lost, but they put out press releases and they frame it as, hey, don't worry, no personal information was compromised. Okay, I, I buy that to a certain extent. These are not health records. This is a skimmer, so you're probably not going to get, you know, full cardholder information off of it. But what makes personal information? Is it that we're saying credit card numbers aren't personal information because, you know, they're easily changeable and they're not going to impact you but so much because you're not going to bear the burden of the fraud? Well, how does that change something like a home address? If you move every year to a new apartment, is it only personal information when it's actively yours? You know, where where do we draw the line? Like, for example, a phone number. That's easy enough to change. Sure. You may have uh, you may have a series of phone numbers. Is you know are are they all personal? Is is your work phone number less personal? What about your conference line? You know what counts as personal information? And I, I don't think there's a clear answer. I think this is an ongoing discussion. But I think it's interesting that these these companies are coming out and saying, "Hey, don't worry, your personal information wasn't compromised. Just your." financial information that's tied to you personally. Well, and and certainly anyone who's been through having to change a credit card that you've been using for any you know serious amount of time, uh, that is a real uh, annoying thing to have to do. It's not not fun. No, it is uh, 
it is disruptive to say the least. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, from from the, speaking of the credit card, I mean, I wonder if if some of it is who carries the burden of the change because with the credit card. The credit card company will send you, sometimes they'll detect it and just send you a new, deactivate your card and send you a new one with a phone number. That's not going to happen. Right. You know, a phone number, that's that's definitely on you, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, I think a, if you're dealing with a phone number or, or a home address even, you know, there's a certain point at which even a credit card number, it may not be tied to just you as an individual. You may have partners or family members who are also connected to that. And, you know, at what point does it become more impactful? You know, say you need to change a home phone number. People still have those, I am told. Mm-hmm or an address, right? At that point, it's not just your information. It's not just your email address. You're dealing with details that are tied to, to more than one people. Or, you know, if it's, uh, if it's company information, that makes it even messier. Right, right. All right, it's an interesting thing to ponder. Emily Wilson, thanks for joining us. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the CyberWire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.